Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. Well, uh, good morning again. My name is Dan Braswell, one of the chaplains here at Schofield Community Chapel. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you do. I invite you to turn to Daniel, Daniel chapter 4 as we continue. I believe this is the fifth Sunday we've been in the series 10X, uh, Courageous Living as Faithful Strangers. That is, as we go through the book of Daniel, we know that Daniel is a Babylonian captive, this young Israelite, young man, teenage boy at the time he was captured, him and his friends you've already heard about, I think it was last week, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I was gone for three Sundays on leave and glad to be back, but I believe, that's right, last week Chaplain Thompson preached on the fiery furnace, and we know these young men were, were captured, and they are living their faith out in the book of Daniel as we see it as faithful strangers and uh, living that out courageously, and we took that 10x from that first chapter in Daniel that talks about Daniel and his friends were 10 times better than everyone else because you and I know that God's way is the best way. Uh, you and I know that we too, like Daniel, live in a world that is not necessarily godly. We live in our own version of Babylon. We, we live in a place, in, in many ways, we are in the world, uh, but not of the world. Today we're going to look at Daniel chapter 4 as we look at this subject, the pride of man and a demonstration of the sovereignty of God. Uh, the pride of man and a demonstration of the sovereignty of God. All week long I've been reading Daniel chapter 4 and, and reading this strange dream over and over as Brother Zion read for us. It's one of those, you just can't make this up. Uh, it's, it's a strange dream, isn't it? I think about some of my own recurring dreams, and I'll share one with you from my childhood that, is, that has followed me all my life. It's just kind of one of those weird dreams. As a child, for some reason, some little boy at school, this is, I didn't have internet back in, I don't know for some of y'all who are younger, but back in the day, we didn't really have social media. You just kind of interacted with people on the playground and things of that nature. That's how it used to be. For some of y'all, I know it blows your mind, but that's what, that's what we had to do, and you called a house phone to talk to your friends and organize things. But anyway, as I called people on the phone or talked to kids at the playground, this one kid, he told me, he said, if you have a dream that you're falling, and if you hit the ground in the dream, you're going to die. Well, that freaked me out. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know, I, was just, I, I would overthink things, and, and, and I said, like, man, I hope that doesn't happen. And sure enough, I started to have this dream that I was falling. And every time I would wake up, and I was like, oh, thank the Lord. You know, I didn't, I wasn't even saved yet. I was eight years old. You know, it's a little sinner eight-year-old praying that I didn't, you know, I want to escape the judgment to come by not dying in my sleep because I fell in my sleep. Well, sure enough, as I got older, I kept having this dream. And by the, by the time I got to be 10, 11, 12 years old, I distinctly remember, and Daniel chapter 4 brought all this back to me for some reason, that eventually I did land at the bottom in my dream. And guess what? I'm still here, so apparently, I don't know who that kid was, but he was wrong, wasn't he? So my, I was like, ha I, I fell a long ways, I landed, and I'm, I'm good to go. You can't make that stuff up, right? You can't make that up, that, that happened. You can't make this up. What a strange, what a strange dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has. 
We're going to focus a lot on King Nebuchadnezzar in this passage. However, I want to remind you from the get-go that the star of this passage is not King Nebuchadnezzar. It's not Daniel, as in the entire book of Daniel. The focal point is, the, is God himself and the fact that he is in control and he is taking care of his people. With that said, I believe there's some lessons that we'll learn today as we look through Daniel chapter 4. This mighty king, right, King Nebuchadnezzar, which by the way, by the time we get to Daniel chapter 4, the best we can tell, this is not right after Daniel chapter 3. This could be as late as 25 plus years after Daniel chapter 3. This is towards the end of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. This is by this time Daniel's 40, 50 years old. This is not young man Daniel at this point. He's been warned in a dream that he'd be eating grass with the animals, which we heard already, unless he changes his prideful, uh, his, his sinful ways. In chapel and in Bible study and as Christians, you and I spend a lot of time often talking about God being with you in the storms, and rightly we should. We talk a lot about God being with us during times of turmoil, during times of hardship. But it's interesting in this story that the focus changes not from times of turmoil or hardship or struggle, but what about God during the times of success? You see, King Nebuchadnezzar, look at verse number one with me in Daniel chapter four. Here's what he says. He says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. This is Nebuchadnezzar's way of sending out a post, sending out a tweet. This is, who is this to? This is to Lottie Dottie everybody. He is letting everyone know about this testimony that he has. And here's what he says in verse 2. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. And then he makes this statement. How great are his signs. How mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. Now remember, Nebuchadnezzar was not a follower of the Lord throughout his life. This language sounds a lot like he's heard Daniel say some things like that. I can only guess at this point. And here's what he says about his story. I, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 4, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. And that's how he starts his story, letting everybody know everything was not in turmoil, everything was not a struggle, everything was going great. I want to point out, we're going to look at a lot of passages in Daniel chapter 4, but I also want to point out from the get-go the last verse in the chapter. Look at Daniel chapter 4, verse 37, and we'll fill in the story as we go, but look at how he closes, Nebuchadnezzar. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. This is a classic story that we've seen time and time again of pride goes before the fall. It is a picture of pride, it is a picture of haughtiness, where someone thought they were untouchable and unstoppable, and they found out that they were not. You probably remember the story of Napoleon Bonaparte, who made no 
mistake, what he wanted to do is conquer the world, conquer Europe, right? In 1815, after he was at war for 20 years, on the morning of, you probably remember the story of the Battle of Waterloo, he said this to his head commander. He shared his strategy and he said this, and I quote, Napoleon said in, about the Battle of Waterloo, at the end of the day, England will be at the feet of France. Anybody remember that? And Wellington will be the prisoner of Napoleon. And his officer responded, we must not forget that man proposes and God disposes. Napoleon responded, no. I want you to understand Napoleon proposes and Napoleon disposes. But guess what happened at the Battle of Waterloo? A lot of rain, a lot of hail, a lot of bad weather, kind of messed up some plans. The troops of Napoleon's could not maneuver his plan. And guess what? That night, Napoleon was a prisoner of Wellington, and France was at the feet of England. We all know stories of, of this type, of, of this, this, idea of, this idea of pride, this idea of I'm untouchable, I can, do, I can do no wrong, nothing can happen to me. Nebuchadnezzar was a successful man. Well, let's go back and read a little bit more about Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. I want you to go back to chapter, uh, chapter 4, of course, verse number 6. And let's pick up where we left off. He lets him know he has a dream. He's frightened about it. So here's what he does, verse 6. I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me. By the way, this should be a theme, right? Does this sound familiar from some other chapters we've already read? He does the same thing. He says, all the, uh, make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Verse 7, he calls the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers. I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, once again, right, Daniel came in before him, he who is named Belteshazzar after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream. Verse 9, O Belteshazzar, that's Daniel, king of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult. Tell me the visions of my dream that I saw in their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. And then he reads the dream. He shares the dream that we just read earlier about this tree that's cut down to the root. And Daniel interprets the dream. And what does Daniel say is the interpretation of the dream down in verse number 19? Daniel lets Nebuchadnezzar know that the tree is you, O great king. You are the tree that grew and became strong. It says in verse 20, actually, if you look at it. You are the tree that became strong so that its top reached the heavens. Verse 21, the leaves were beautiful and the fruit abundant and in which was food for all. And, and, the, and the birds and the beasts of the field ate it. It's you who have grown strong, king. See what I'm saying? He's successful. Things are going great. And Daniel lets him know that... You are going to fall. Dealing with a success, the pride of man and a demonstration of the sovereignty of God. I think in this story, there's a few lessons we can learn. Point number one is this, as we look at this story. Number one, recognize there's a God, and it's not you, and it's not me. Remember by now, Nebuchadnezzar has gone through all kinds of things. This is 25 to 30 years after the fiery furnace. He has built this world empire. You remember from other places in history, the hanging gardens of Babylon. 
literally when Nebuchadnezzar says he's at ease in his house, the Hebrew in one place literally reads flourishing green. It's growth, it's everything's going great. But Nebuchadnezzar said himself in verse 37, which we've already read, those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. We learn from this, there's a God and it's not you and it's not me. Nebuchadnezzar recognizes his own pride and that his own haughtiness and and hubris is pride. That's his downfall. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you that when we hear the word pride coming out of the Scripture, pride is never seen in the Bible as a good thing. In fact, when you read through the Scripture, I had a friend yesterday say, Brother Todd Bowden said, if you you sift the Bible and and see what it is that that God dislikes and and, and just, just really... Uh, is against its pride. Let me read a couple of passages of Scripture to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them to you. I'll give you the reference, and you can feel free. I know I see some of you taking notes. By the way, it's fun to see faces. I'm, I'm starting to figure out who everybody is a little bit, and that, it's the first time I've been back since I've seen faces preaching to, to a full face instead of the eyes, so it's kind of cool. But I see a lot of you taking notes, so feel free to write these down. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Wow. What happens before destruction? Pride. Proverbs 15, 25. The Lord will destroy the house of the, can you guess, proud. Proverbs 16, verse 5 says, Everyone proud in his heart is an abomination to the Lord. The strongest language that they could come up with, the proud in his heart is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 6, verse 16 says this, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, and the first one he mentions is a proud heart. Proverbs 18 says this, before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Nebuchadnezzar learns in this story as he is abased, as he is humbled, as he is literally made like an animal, that there's a God and it's not him, even though he was, quote, successful. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said it this way, if you want to write this down, Isaiah 2.17, I'll read it to you. The haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Keep in mind, big picture of the book of Daniel, one of the points of it is that there's coming a day when God's kingdom's going to rule. God's kingdom's going to reign. We're going to get to that as we get, especially towards the latter half of the book, but be reminded that the Lord will be exalted when things are all said and done. American theologian Jonathan Edwards, he said this about pride. He said, pride is the main door by which the devil comes into the hearts of those who are zealous for the advancement of Christ. It is the chief, he says it this way, the chief inlet of smoke from the bottomless pit to darken the mind and mislead the judgment and the main handle by which Satan takes holds of Christians to hinder a work of God. Until the disease is cured, medicines are applied in vain to heal all other diseases. 
Nebuchadnezzar was at home contented and prosperous, but he learned that God opposes the proud. C.S. Lewis, in his great work, Mere Christianity, said it this way. He said, a proud man is always looking down on the things of people. He said, of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. As I think about this story, as I think about this man who was high and lifted up and had everything going his way and then makes his statement, which we'll look at in just a moment, about how great things were, I almost hear Galatians chapter 6 sort of whispering in our ear. Galatians chapter 6 that says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Lesson number one, I think, from this story for you and for me is that there's a God, and it's not you, and it's not me. And time and time again in the Bible, it warns us against having this, this pride, this idea of, of I need to be puffed up, me, me, me. There's a God. It's not you, and it's not me. Well, we're going to continue to read in Daniel chapter 4. I want to share with you the second lesson is this, number two. Repent of sin and do what is right. Repent of sin and do what is right. Go down to verse 26 in Daniel chapter 4. By this time in the story, Daniel has given the interpretation of the dream. Hey, king, you're the tree. You're the one who's going to be cut. You're going to have the stump that's left. And here's what Daniel says, beginning in verse number 26. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know heaven rules. In other words, even here, by the way, God is gracious. You say, oh, I've, I, I recognize my sin. I recognize my pride. Well, here's even some grace of God here. But look at what Daniel's answer is to him. Therefore, when you're reading the Bible, this is cliche, but if you see a therefore, you should know what it's there for. Daniel gives, hey, God's going to judge you. Therefore, here's the so what for, for King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 27. Let my counsel be acceptable to you. Two things. Break off your sins by, number one, practicing righteousness. And he says, and your iniquities, which is really another word for sin, for wrongdoing. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. He essentially is telling him to practice righteousness and to show mercy to the oppressed. Now, let's read a little bit more to find out what exactly happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Look at verse number 31. Oh, excuse me, let me back up. Look at verse 29, that's important. At the end of 12 months, so Nebuchadnezzar heard the warning. He was told by Daniel, here's what you do. Forsake this and, 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 and go and sin no more. And here's what he says in verse 30. After he's walking on the roof of his palace, he says this. Is this not great Babylon? Look at how he says it. Which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of of my majesty. You hear the, the self-centeredness. Well, what happened? The dream, was, the dream was had by Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel interprets the dream. And about 12 months later, he makes this statement while walking on his roof. And then the dream is fulfilled in verse 31. 
It says, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there came a voice from heaven. O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed. What happens? You'll be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. And you'll be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And then verse 33 simply shares with us, it happened. The word was fulfilled. He was driven among men. He did eat grass like an ox. His body was wet with dew of heaven, listen to this, until his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. When I was a child, we had this little story Bible and it had this sort of Again, it's another childhood thing that kind of freaked me out. Had this grotesque picture of King Nebuchadnezzar, just, just a wild man with these crazy fingernails on the ground, uh, eating, eating grass, and, and he literally was like an animal for seven years. We all can think of people who have fallen, can't we? We see it all the time. I did a little bit of research, and I don't even have to pull up a name. You can think of people in our circles, in military circles of senior leaders who have fallen, who were high, and lifted up. You can think of sports stars who were role models for many and who were great in their, in their area of athleticism. However, they had a great moral failure. You can think of politicians on any side of the aisle you choose. I don't care if it's right, left, in the middle. You can find people who have fallen who have sinned, who, were, who, who had made this lofty area, who had fallen. Entertainment stars, that one's easy to jab at because I go, oh, all these horrible people in Hollywood. But then I hate to say it, pastors, Christian leaders. The lesson for us in number two is, is not just recognize that there's a God and, and, and to, to humble ourselves, but, but number two is to repent of sin and, and do what is right. I can't help but think of the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Remember what Jesus told her in that great story. There's no accusers, right? Everybody put down the stone because Jesus made that great statement. Let he who's without sin cast the first stone. What an awesome picture. Everybody leaves and Jesus says, neither do I accuse you. But what do he say? Go and sin no more. One of the lessons here and one of the things that Daniel was trying to teach is that Nebuchadnezzar, repent of your sin by doing what is right. In other words, by practicing righteousness is what he, what he says in the passage. And then show mercy to the oppressed. It's interesting, I think there's a pattern there. When you and I are prideful and when our focus is how much can I get, how great can I be, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to quit caring about everybody else around me. One of the antidotes for that is to show mercy to the oppressed. God, if he blesses you and if God blesses me, it is in part because he wants us to be a blessing to other people. When I served at uh, Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, the hospital there, I was, uh, I'd get to talk to the different um, uh, groups and things and, and different uh, fields of medicine. And, and so the psychology world came out a few years ago with the latest and greatest study. And you know what they found out? The latest and greatest study from at least a few years ago said that people who have... Um, 
behavioral health issues or, or, or psychological issues, if they will focus and try to help other people, it'll be a blessing to them. And I thought, wow, Jesus told us that thousands of years ago. It is more blessed to give than receive. Daniel is just simply giving out that principle here. One of the lessons for you and for me is to, is to be a blessing to other people. Uh, to, that'll, that is sort of an antidote. If you were to say, take a prescription, okay, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm repenting of my pride, now what do I do? Well, serve the Lord, serve other people. I could promise that the spiritual principle is that you and I, that'll help keep our pride in check because then we're not just about what I'm doing. I'm saying, God, what is it you want me to do? How do I serve you in this world? Some of you are familiar with the great work of, of George Mueller, perhaps. He was a pastor in the 19th century. He, he was a at one point in his life, he was a wealthy man, but he chose to, to give, give his wealth away. And he, you can read uh, his autobiography, and he has these incredible stories in there. For example, there's a moment where he, he had an orphanage, and he, he, he was a blessing to many, many children who came through this orphanage. And, and one of the stories is that he, he would, and he, and he just trusted God for everything in this incredible way. And, and he wouldn't have any food for the kids, and he'd, he'd have them set the plates and set the table, and he'd simply pray that God would provide, and sure enough, there's story after story where he would pray for God to provide, and, and someone, one of God's people, would be a blessing to others, right, and would show up with food to, to, to help this great ministry for all these children. Well, somebody asked him one time, what is the secret to all this success? What is the secret to this sort of victorious Christian life? What is the secret to, to how you've been so blessed? And here's what George Mueller said. He said it this way. He said, it was the day that I died that I utterly died. And it says, he said it this way. I died to George Mueller. His opinions, his preferences, his taste, and his will. I died to the world. It's approval or it's censure. I died to approval or blame, even of my brethren and friends. Since then, I've studied only to show myself approved unto God. Until you and I die to self, we will not have everything that God has in store for us. One of the lessons we see from this story is as we examine our own hearts, and I hope as we've been looking at this passage this morning, I know when I look at it, it causes me to examine my life. I hope we're able to say, God, see if there be any wicked way in me, as the psalmist says. Where are those areas of pride where I need to be humbled, repent, and practice righteousness, pra practice living, serving God, and, and, and being a blessing to others? But then the third lesson is this. The third lesson is simply giving honor and praise to God. Give honor and praise to God. Remember, this is the same Nebuchadnezzar who built a statue for everybody to worship of him last week in Daniel chapter 3 as we studied that. This is the same Nebuchadnezzar who just in a moment's notice would just have people killed. He, you know, we look at him and go, oh, he's a bad man. But one of the lessons that God is teaching us in this, and what he's trying to say throughout the entire book of Daniel, I believe, is that God is on his throne. 
God is sovereign. God is in control. Go back and look at Daniel chapter 4, verse number 3, how Nebuchadnezzar starts his passage. He says, How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. Now look at Daniel 4, verse 34. This is his answer at the end. At the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. This is after the seven years, by the way. My reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. And he makes a statement again. His, that is God's, dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. He does according to his will among the hosts of heaven, heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? And it goes on to say that his reason returned. He was established and he continued to serve as king. And then in the end, he says he praises and honors the Lord. As I was studying, it was interesting to read one of the great theological questions of this passage was, was Nebuchadnezzar truly a convert to God? There are conservative, I believe Bible-believing scholars who are, who are split on this issue. And I would read what one man of God said, and I'd read and go, oh, that kind of makes sense. Maybe he was a true follower of God. I'd come over here, and I would read, and this guy, he would, I would read, and I'd go, uh, maybe he's right. Maybe he's not a follower of God. I'm going to declare to you this day, I don't know. <laughs> but here's what I'll say. I think the more important question is, are you and I going to live our life in honor and praise to God? My hope and prayer is that, although that's interesting to talk about, how did, where, did, where did Nebuchadnezzar fall ultimately? The greater question is, where do you and I fall? Will we think about our own lives and our own pride? Are we to the point when we repent of our sins and we say we're going to devote our lives to one and we can honestly say, not just with our lips, but with our lives, that his dominion is an everlasting dominion? Are you and I living our life to understand, yeah, we, we live in this world, but our ultimate citizenship is heaven, our ultimate home is God's kingdom, and are we conducting our lives in a way that the world can see that, and through that the world can know that there's a Savior and his name is Jesus Christ. God is in charge. I hope and pray that as we think about Daniel chapter 4 and these lessons is that you and I understand God is in charge, not us, and he calls us to serve him and to serve his kingdom as we worship and we honor him. Let's pray. God, my prayer is that we say with our lips and believe in our hearts that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, that we recognize that you are on the throne. We recognize as we think through all of Scripture that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God, I pray that as we go about our week this week, as we sing our final song of praise, I pray that you would spark in our hearts, that you would convict us of any pride that we have, that you would give us your Holy Spirit and your grace to turn from our sin and to serve and to live our lives for you. I pray, God, for those who may be here and have never trusted Jesus Christ for salvation. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them and help them to see their need 
for Jesus Christ who died on the cross and three days later rose again so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Heavenly Father, be with us as we serve you in your kingdom, the everlasting kingdom, the only true kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.